Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Joe, we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot changed since last week with my travel plans and everything. I, I, a hint, I'm finally going to Japan, but we'll talk about that. Uh, as people probably know, I was really sick last week uh, and uh, there's a lot of things to, to discuss. But how was your week? Yes, somehow Sean returned to Japan, hopefully. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy. And then the, the Memphis meet, meetup was this weekend, right? But uh, Jasmine had to run that one solo. Yeah, she's a saint, right? Uh, so uh, if people who heard me last week, I'm still a little congested, but uh, I came down with COVID uh, just a few days before the meetup in Memphis and had to follow CDC guidelines. So because we were going to be socializing and I didn't want to risk getting anybody sick, I had to back out of going to the Memphis meetup, which I was really bummed about. This was the city I you know, personally chose. I personally chose all the cities, but after getting everybody in the Diamond Group's uh, feedback, but this was the one I was most looking forward to. I haven't spent a lot of time in Memphis, basically just passed through it and uh, wanted to see Graceland, wanted to see the Bass Pro Shops Pyramid, Beale Street, uh, all of that stuff. And I was really bummed not to go. And yeah, Jasmine stepped in and ran the whole meetup along with Benji. Shout out to both of them. Uh, I, I, you know, what, a, what a partner Jasmine is to, she was supposed to be there anyway, but Ellie stayed home with me. She flew out there solo. And then, uh, last night she was supposed to fly back and, uh, she was on Allegiant because there's no direct flights on anything but low cost carriers. They get on the plane. There's a power issue. Flight ends up getting basically delayed 24 hours or essentially canceled. And they put everybody on the next flight the next day. So she got stuck in Memphis an extra night. So I feel terrible about that. Now, on the plus side, Joe, she stayed at the caption uh, for the meetup, which was her fourth brand for Brand Explorer. And then last night, insurance will cover this with the Sapphire Reserve. We also have our Allianz uh, travel policy. She stayed at the Centric, which is her fifth brand. So this delay, I guess, gave us a free high at night. So uh, happy for that. But uh, I feel terrible for her. Great job that she did that. And it seemed like everybody had a great time. And I was so... Uh, have you ever seen that meme of from Narcos of Pablo Escobar kind of sitting all by himself doing nothing? That's how I felt the looking sad, at all the, the pictures. Sad meme. Yeah, that, that's how I felt this weekend uh, looking at the pictures of Memphis. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. Um, I was scrolling through the, you know, in the there's an MTM Diamond Slack and there's a channel dedicated to the meetup, which I wasn't at, but I was scrolling through and it looked like it was a lot of fun. Sucks that Jasmine got uh, stranded there. I will, um, and maybe listeners can remind us about this but um when if and when you fail file a claim with allianz i would love to hear just kind of what that experience is like because you know i have a year-wide plan as well mine's with nationwide but we still haven't thankfully had to file a claim yet but i'm always interested to see how that goes or the preferred um insurance um whatever you whatever you end up trying to do to like get yourself whole and if uh just don't be like me with those free nights all right, and forget to use them until they're going to expire in like a month. Yeah, I logged into her account to, to see uh, what her Brand Explorer number was, and she was at three, and the, the caption po- uh, the caption stay still hasn't posted. But I forgot she has like 60,000 points there. I got to transfer over to my account because we're always booking under my name because I have the globalist status. Uh, I did guest of honor for her caption. At Centric, she, was, she got there at like almost 2 a.m., so she just booked it under her number and uh, she wasn't worried about breakfast. She just went and got some good Memphis barbecue. So she kind of spun it into a positive for herself. And I did book her on an earlier flight. They rebooked her on t- a flight tonight at 10 on Allegiant. 
I booked her on Frontier Crossing Our Fingers, uh, which was the earliest flight I could get, about a 1 p.m. flight, which should also be covered by the insurance. Uh, so I will let people know how that goes. We'll make the, the claim with Allianz, and then if that doesn't cover everything, which it should, then, then Sapphire Reserve would be the backup uh, for that. But we should have double coverage uh, on that. So just real quick, a 10 p.m. Frontier flight, how long is that flight to Las Vegas? That like almost sounds like a reverse red eye to me. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 p.m. Allegiant, but still. Yeah, it's about a three hour and 20 minute in the air flight. Uh, so she was going to get here, yeah, really late, uh, you know, around midnight Vegas time, so 2 a.m. Memphis time. So this leads perfectly into how we changed our travel plans, because originally we weren't going to fly back from Memphis. We were going to head on a road trip for a couple weeks, then eventually make it to Europe for our June 9th cruise uh, up to Norway. And so that was the kind of the plan. And with me getting sick and us staying back, I had to book her that flight at the last minute. And that was the only sort of reasonably priced flight. So that's why I chose that flight instead of some of the earlier ones. Uh, But uh, yeah, Allegiant kind of stranded her there. She did get a $100 voucher. Now, that's sort of something for people to know out there. If you're flying the low-cost carriers, they're not going to give you hotel vouchers and stuff like that. It's just a reason to have insurance um, because, you know, it essentially works out the same for us because... We don't have to rely on that. But a lot of people don't know that. And, you know, the insurance also gave us the ability to book another flight so she doesn't have to wait an entire extra day, only half an extra day there. But with changing our travel plans uh, and knowing we were going to be on the West Coast and kind of having to do away with that road trip or at least having to figure out how to reposition there, I hopped on uh, point.me and started looking at flight options. And, you know, I've been talking about getting to Japan. I had to delay that because of some stuff with a family member earlier this year. And lo and behold, three business class seats on JAL from even from Las Vegas. I didn't even have to reposition to get it. It's a saver award. So uh, Alaska Airlines from here to San Francisco and then Japan Airlines from San Francisco to Haneda, all in business class, 60,000 AA miles each, plus like what, $5.60. So really cheap. Managed to get some stuff uh, figured out for Tokyo too. What's kind of good, I hope, is that we're before the summer crush of travel in Japan, and this will be the week after the Golden Week in Japan where they have all of their holidays. So that's going on this week, the Golden Week, where everything's sold out and crazy. We'll be getting there next week. So hopefully it'll be a little less crowded, although I am seeing the hotels pretty full. Uh, So uh, we'll see how that goes. But that means I'm going to get to Tokyo Disneyland hopefully in just uh, a week or two. Man, 60000 and on don't have to reposition last minute. You know, you want to talk about memes? That's Antonio Banderas.gif right there. Um, so, and by the way, that is from the movie Assassins, which is a classic. But uh, yeah, if you don't know that meme, uh, look that up. But that is awesome. Um, and yeah, that should be, do you know, do they fly a Dreamliner or like a 777? Oh, and into Haneda too? Definitely Antonio Banderas. Haneda yeah, is exactly. so much better than flying exactly. into Narita. I totally agree. So much easier to get in. It's much closer. Um, so, yeah, to win all around. It is Japan Airlines 777-300, where they have this staggered seven-across business class. I've flown that product on other planes before. So there's two on the windows and then three in the middle, and they're staggered. So every seat, even the middle seat of the three, has aisle access, kind of similar to the old British Airways business class, but uh, you know, a newer, nicer product. It's fine. It's not going to be the best business class in the sky. Uh, there weren't a lot of seats available left, so we did get stuck in a three in the middle, which I guess is kind of good for three of us. 
although I was hoping for a window seat and then to get them in two seats behind me or something. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers when you're doing this at the last minute. I think the cash price was like $8,000 a ticket, which is quite insane. So, you know, getting over 10 cents value for the people who love to, to do that. I don't consider that. I just sort of look at what the, the coach fares were. But I've been trying to burn these AA miles forever, and uh, it was nice to be able to finally do that. Like you said, getting into Haneda should be super easy. And then for redemptions there, there you know, obviously I'm looking at Hyatt, but I'll also look at Marriott and Hilton. Um, but I was able to get the Hyatt Centric in Ginza, which is a hotel I've been eyeing. It's not cheap. It's a Category 6 hotel, although for one of the nights we'll stay there, there is it's a saver or it's a off-peak, so it's 21000 a night. The other ones, it's 25000 a night. Unfortunately, we're going to do four nights there to start. Now, Ginza is like right in the central area of Tokyo. That's where all the high-end shopping is. It's a great location to base yourself out of, and I've heard great things about this hotel. Unfortunately, I wanted to use a suite upgrade because the standard rooms there are pretty small. Only two of the four nights, they had a suite. So I got that suite confirmed using my Hyatt Globalist tier suite upgrade for the first two nights, and maybe I can talk my way into keeping the suite for the other two nights. So we'll, I'll keep an eye on that. And then we're going to head out near Tokyo Disney. For people who are, may consider going to Tokyo Disney, there are a few point options there. There's a Sheraton and a Hilton that are right on Disney property next to the monorail. And they used to be better values than they are today, especially with points. The redemptions are pretty high. But there's a new Hyatt Regency Tokyo Bay, or newish. It's a couple years old. And uh, it's a little bit further from the parks. It's not on Disney property, but it has a free shuttle. And when I was thinking about it, because I've stayed at both the Sheraton and the Hilton, you still have to walk to the monorail station, take the monorail around. It still takes 15, 20 minutes to get to the parks. The shuttle from the Hyatt Regency takes about 20 minutes. So we're going to give that a try. I was able to confirm a suite there as well. And they had a buy two, get one free promotion. So it ended up being like $110 a night for this Hyatt Regency. And we'll be in a suite which has like a terrace overlooking the ocean. So that's a good start. Now I'm trying to, we'll be, a, we'll be in Japan for about another week. I bought a rail pass. So that should be here in just a couple of days. You got to buy that before you go to Japan or at least to get the best price you do. Um, so we'll have a one week rail pass. We'll be using the Shinkansen high speed bullet trains. Going to do a few amusement parks, but hopefully some cultural stuff. And I'm excited to get to Universal Osaka. Hopefully get to try Super Nintendo World there uh, as well. The full larger version than what we have here in Hollywood. Two questions for you. One quick one. Is Japan where the monorail costs money at Disney? Yeah, so Dis so Japan has these weird laws about trains with multiple stations, and uh, they require a ticket. So the monorail does cost money at Tokyo Disneyland Resort. And that's another interesting thing in the park. If you've ever been inside Tokyo Disneyland, they do have a train there, but it goes from Frontierland, and it's just a circle journey. There's no other stops around the park like you see in Magic Kingdom or Disneyland. And the reason for that is if they had put multiple stations, according to what I've read, I'm not an expert on this, but they would have had to charge to take the train inside the park. So that's why the Tokyo Disneyland train is very different. It's just sort of a, a round trip journey around like Frontierland and Adventureland where you just get on and off at the same station. So uh, yeah, weird uh, laws there, but they're very train-centric in Japanese culture. And if you've never been there, they have the most amazing trains. The Shinkansen trains are great. Everything runs on time. You know, everybody's so polite. It's a very easy country to get around. And uh, I'm glad we're getting there because the rail pass is almost doubling in cost later this year. So it was, you know, just a little over $200 for a week-long pass. And that'll get us on all the bullet trains and uh, everything else. Ellie was about half price, I think. So I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been... 
haven't had a rail pass or done that since 2008. So we've just been kind of focusing on our last few trips in Tokyo. So I'm glad to get back to Osaka, get to Kyoto, maybe some other places, see some cool cultural stuff that we haven't seen for quite a while. Yeah, that was going to be my second question about the rail pass. I know that the price was going up, so I wasn't sure if you were able to, you know, get it before that. So, I mean, it was a screaming deal before. I haven't seen, have you seen any analysis about the new prices? Is it still like a decent deal or is it becoming cost prohibitive or becoming like one of those, you know, theme park annual pass things you have to go like X number of times to really make it worth it and you have to try? I haven't seen a lot of analysis about it. I think it's going up to just shy of $400 from like 240-ish dollars. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. Right now, like a round trip bullet train ticket from Tokyo to Kyoto is about the same price as a seven week as a seven day rail pass. So I don't know if ticket prices are going to go up to correspond with the rail pass price, and that's why they're doing it. But it's going to become a, a significantly more expensive decision. Whereas now I just know we're going to go down and come back, so I might as well get the rail pass. And what's really nice about the trains is you can reserve seats on the trains, but you can also just walk up and get on the trains. And if you're not going during the peak times, it's really easy to just do that. So, uh, you know, we, we had a great time in 2008 using the pass and went all over southern Japan. We went as far down south as Hiroshima, Kyoto, Osaka, you know, back and forth to Tokyo, some of the smaller towns. And this is anywhere that's a uh, JR line, Japanese Railways line, which is most of the country. There are a few kind of regional lines that are not included, but for the most part, uh, all the bullet trains are included. And if you do a longer pass, I'm not going to do this in Tokyo because I found that I, it's not a, it's not worth getting a two-week pass just to get some free train rides in Tokyo. But there are JR lines within Tokyo too, transit lines that you can use with the rail pass. If you're flying into Narita, uh, you can take the Narita Express. That's included with the rail pass as well. And you can pick it up at the airport. They send you a voucher in the mail and then you exchange that at the airport or at a ticket office. And then you tell them what date it's going to start. And uh, from there you know, you just uh, go about your way. So it's a super easy system and they have it figured out pretty well. Yeah. Continuing on Japan, uh, the news hit last week that Park Hyatt Tokyo is closing for refurbishment um, May 7th, 2024. So it's it's actually a little weird to me because 2024 is their 30 year anniversary, but that's when they're closing. I, I'm surprised that they didn't decide maybe because of COVID and all that stuff, but it feels like this was the year to refurbish. And then you reopened in 2024 to, um, you know, celebrate your 30th anniversary. Although maybe it's not like, maybe I'm too Disney park centric. You know, they, they celebrate every single anniversary. They rolled from the 50th anniversary to the hundredth anniversary. And, uh, you do that math on your own, but, uh, yeah, closing May 7th, 2024. And, um, gonna reopen scheduled to reopen quarter two 2025 they didn't exactly commit to a date yet which uh, makes sense but a year-long renovation it'll be interesting to see how that is and here is where i admit that sean i have never watched lost in translation oh man there's nothing like staying at the park high at tokyo and watching lost in translation at the same time it's like very meta it's very cool the hotel looks largely the same as it did in that movie they haven't renovated it a lot. I yeah, that's there. why you got to go now because, yeah. you know, after after the renovation, like, you know, I, I have until May 7, 2024 to see. Yeah, I stayed there in 2014. I wrote a review on the site. We can put that link in the description. Uh, it's a little dated as far as a review goes, but the rooms largely are the same as they were then. And they felt dated then. But the nostalgia of kind of staying in that hotel was pretty amazing. And 
I, I really liked it. It's currently a Category 7, so I would expect it's probably going to move up to a Category 8 when it uh, opens back up. And it is, a you know, an iconic hotel. It's not in the best area of Tokyo for getting around. It's near Shinjuku, but it's not so close to the train station. It's also right next to where the Hyatt Regency is there. Um, so you have those two options, the Hyatt Regency, the cheapest points option in Tokyo. But I'm excited to try out the Hyatt-centric in uh, Ginza because... It looks amazing. I've stayed at the Andaz before, which is a really great property. And I wouldn't stay at the Park Hyatt now, but I will look forward to staying at it when they uh, renovate it. I just don't feel for the premium you're paying that it's worth it unless you want that Lost in Translation experience, which I guess I already had. So uh, that's that's sort of my feeling for it. And as a side note, for some reason, when I was in Park Hyatt Seoul, watching Lost in Translation still felt good too. So I guess if you're in any major Asian city, that uh, you have these, you know, sort of foreign everything going on. It's kind of a cool thing to watch Lost in Translation. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean. Do you just watch Lost in Translation anytime you're in a park hide in Asia? You're like, oh, might as well just put it on. Only those two times, but uh, I'm open to doing it again because I do love that movie. And I forget about it. It's such a great movie. And I've only, you know, those are the two times, what, 2014 and I think 2017 when I was in Seoul. Those are the two times I've watched it since, you know, it came out. And both times I was like, darn, this is a good movie. I really love it. So still want to know what he whispered to her at the end, though. Finally, I have a movie reference Joe doesn't know about. Yes, but I was Googling, okay, where you can watch and stream it. Looks like you can stream it on Prime Video. Yes, you can stream it on Prime Video for free. Um, Also, spoiler alert, Sean. um, You know, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh as a random aside, you know, the thing with like streaming movies these days is I read that like movies from like the 90s and 80s, there's only like, you know, two, a dozen or two dozen on like every service. That's what we miss about Blockbuster. You know, Netflix is no longer sending out DVDs as well, too. Like, we can't get all these random old movies. Like, it's all whatever is streaming. So I was worried that like Lost in Translation wouldn't be streaming anywhere. But as of recording right now, you know, these things change all the time. But May 1st, 2023, it is streaming on prime video and that is your entertainment beat for the mouse memories podcast you want to talk about uh hilton's uh daily food and bev credit sure uh, benji wrote an article about uh, understanding this credit and basically sort of the ups and downs of of doing it and you know uh, so basically some background right during covid hilton moved away from their free breakfast this is really just in the u.s for gold and diamond members and they came up with this per person property credit, which is $25 per day at their luxury brands like Waldorf and Conrad, 15 per day at their lifestyle brands like Hilton and uh, Doubletree, et cetera. Sometimes they give you a little bit more in what they call expensive markets. And then you get $10 per day at Hilton Garden Inn hotels. And he wrote this about just understanding the credit because basically every hotel enforces this differently. Some hotels will say you can use it anywhere in the property. Some will restrict you to very specific places. Oftentimes, the credit isn't enough to really get you a breakfast anymore, especially if you're trying to get like coffee and and, and everything else. And what was really interesting about this article is sort of the response to it. Everybody seems to really be struggling with this benefit. And uh, I think that it makes me sort of miss the old days of free breakfast. I know people like Mark, for example, really loves it because... He, you know, would rather not have breakfast and get a couple drinks at the bar or, you know, lunch or something like that. And I think that that does work for some people. And I've had some good experiences doing just that because I'm not generally a huge breakfast person uh, other than when I'm staying at Hyatt. 
Um, but I don't really care too much about breakfast. So it has worked for me, but I think the real kind of issue people are having with it is that it's just not enforced uh, properly across stays. And so you really don't know what you're going to get until you get to the property. And then oftentimes it's not really giving you the benefit that you would like. Yeah, I I think people, it's fun to talk about, but people make too big of a deal of it both ways. I think the thing about Benji's article that, you know, and to be fair, this even happens with high globalist breakfast sometimes. It is the fact that you have to deal with it at checkout sometimes to figure out like exactly like, you know, was the credit applied? Did it come out to the right number? Did they forget? Like, did this hotel not honor it? Or was it just an honest mistake? And dealing with all that stress, I think that is the part that is annoying about this. Like, if it was clean or, you know, honestly, if they just handed you a $15 like card or something, right? Um, per person, you know, that would make things a lot easier and smoother. And then, you know, I'm sure the front desk people don't want to have to deal with it at checkout as well. So that's what I found interesting and like, I guess, mildly triggering from Benji's article. It's the fact that he had to go talk about it. And that is the thing that like, I don't like about this. Yeah. And in his case, there were issues or errors on his bill. And then he had to talk when he was checking out. The good news for him is that the manager waived all the charges uh, so even more than he was supposed to get. And, and I've seen other people mention on Twitter and elsewhere uh, in response to this article that they've had similar things where they were supposed to get a $30 credit and they wiped out a $60 bill. So I guess people are winning in that way. But with Hyatt, I feel like it's very cut and dry. So Hyatt has a good app. I can look at the bill in the app before I check out and make sure it's right. If it's right, I'll just check out in the app. But if it's not, I'll go to the front desk but I feel like I know what the rules are, so it's pretty cut and dry. Even if there's a mistake, I've never had an issue with them just fixing it right away. Whereas with this, you know, every property is different. So there's a little bit more, I guess, anxiety uh, with dealing with it. But I guess you're right. I mean, it always sucks to have to go get a bill fixed to have that sort of confrontation at the end of the stay. But uh, to their credit at this property, they uh, took care of Benji. They hooked him up. Yeah, it's always great um, when, you know, the customer service makes things up when things go wrong. But you know, I think there are ways that Hilton, because you, if you're Hilton, yeah, I like my cards idea, Hilton, if you're listening, because you'll still get the breakage, right? People will forget to use it or whatever. So you still get the breakage you want, but it's just making stuff easier, both for your employees and for the guests. And, you know, you want everyone to be happy. So um, good on them for making it right for Benji, though. So uh, we talked a little bit about Disney, although Tokyo Disney this time. So that's only half a drink, I think. But I want to mention Las Vegas really quick. I don't want to go into depth here, but I did update the resources on the website for how to get free parking in Las Vegas, plus how to waive resort fees, talking about status matches, everything you can do. So if you have a Las Vegas trip, we'll put links in the description. Uh, we have updated resources uh, for uh, 2023 on both of those things, which can save you a ton of money over time. So uh, I know there's a lot of Vegas loving people that listen to this podcast. So I wanted to make sure to mention that and give you another reason to drink. Because I think every time we mention Disney or Vegas or uh, what is it, amusement parks now too, cruises, uh, there's a lot of reasons people drink when they listen to this show. It's just like whenever we talk, just, um, you know, drink liberally. Pretty silly, our podcast, but um, we have fun. But yeah, I think I have not been to Vegas in a while, but just this whole fees thing, it's like I, I stopped keeping up with what's going on with the resort fees, parking fees, all this stuff, just because I'm like, they change it like every six months. And so I'm sure, you know, you live there, so you 
keep abreast of these things, but it's just, when do you think they're going to find that point where like they find that happy medium where, I mean, the happy medium Las Vegas, by the way, was just not charging for anything. But, um, you know, when do you think they're going to find that balance, that equilibrium? Cause they keep like testing and tweaking all these things. Las Vegas keeps breaking visitor records and gaming revenue records and everything else. So, uh, even their rev par, their revenue per available room just hit a record in March of 2023. Their average daily room rate just hit a record. So resort fees aren't uh, affecting any of that. What I have noticed is that on the high end, most of the high end hotels got to about $50, including tax on resort fees a few years ago. And they've sort of hit that ceiling, whereas the lower end hotels are now inching up towards that $50 number. So I wonder if they kind of determined that that was the ceiling. I'm sure that we'll see raises uh, here pretty soon. But the good news was with MGM Rewards, um, especially for a lot of people listening to this podcast, because there's a lot of Hyatt globalists out there, you can get MGM Gold status, which waives resort fees. There's enough ways to get Caesars Diamond status to waive resort fees. So there are ways to get waive resort fees at a lot of properties in Las Vegas. And uh, I detail it all in the article so people can kind of go through and see what resort fees are today, plus how they can waive them, plus also parking, how you can get status and stuff like that to avoid parking charges, which a lot of people don't think about, but that can add, you know, 20 bucks a day as well. So it just all starts to add up between the two. It's like 75, 80 bucks at some properties. Can I go on a little aside? So Disney during the pandemic, like kept raising prices and people were mad. And like, eventually when Bob Iger, the new CEO, old CEO, like came back in, he said, we can always increase revenue by charging more money, but that's like, he kind of admitted that the demand keeps being there. So Disney could keep raising prices, but I think they're going to curb it back. Or at least he implied that they're thinking about maybe not curbing it back, but just like not only making more money by charging more. And the stupid Disney video came out the other day where this lady complained about how much Disney world costs, but she's like spent money on every single thing she could spend money on. I refuse to link that video to anyone it's like you know i posted on twitter if you if you want your video to do numbers just complain about disney costing a lot of money now what i'm curious about is las vegas obviously they're in the same situation they can keep raising prices and people are going to keep going they don't get you know no one in las vegas is like oh i lost uh, two thousand dollars on blackjack vegas is so expensive for some reason you know it's cool to like lose all your money in vegas but not elsewhere but i i, I gotta think at some point Vegas is also going to, you know, the whole reason why parking was free in the first place was so that I could lose $2,000 at the tables and be like, oh, well, parking was free. So I don't know why Vegas isn't getting the same kind of crap. It was for a little while, but then now it feels like people have just accepted it. It does baffle my mind, but we, you know, we do the Vegas videos on YouTube, <laughs> shameless plug, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. But a lot of people, 100,000 views. Wait, was it 10,000 10, views? views? 10 million 10, views. Do, I'm off by a factor of, you know, you know, Man, I don't Joe, know that, that hurts. That's That's a little you know insulting. <laughs> hey, I don't know math. Okay. So no, but our videos, 10 million often... views. My goodness. Yeah. yeah we, you, we you, passed... you must have, you must have single views that ha you must have single videos that do a hundred thousand views. So yeah, yeah check we, it out. we do have uh, quite a few videos over a hundred thousand views we just past 39,000 subscribers. So we'd love people to go there and subscribe, but you know, our videos on average get about 30,000 views. So a, a lot of people watch them. And every time we talk about the record numbers and everything else, people just chime in with how much they hate, how expensive it is, how they're getting nickel and dimed. But then when you look at the numbers, people are coming in droves and they're spending 
crazy. And you would think with, you know, all the economic uncertainty that would slow down. But just the latest numbers for March just came in. And like I said, they were records and conventions are coming back. So uh, Vegas, yeah, they're not, it's not getting cheaper anytime soon. But, you know, there are ways to uh, use travel hacking in order to save money there. And, uh, you know, I'm staying this week at Wynn for four nights uh, because I had to change the travel schedule and I wasn't actually going to be able to redeem these. But last year I did the uh, series of status matches in Atlantic City, which got me that free MSC cruise that I've talked about. And it also got us, Jasmine and I, both two free nights at Wynn Las Vegas. And uh, so I'm using those this week. The cash rates for the four nights combined were $3,500. So we're getting free nights there, no resort fees. So that's just another way you know, travel hacking kind of pays off there. Uh, if you have Caesars Diamond status, oftentimes you get cheaper rates midweek. So you can often still get hotels for $10 a night during the week with no resort fees. And then, like I said, MGM status. If you have MGM Gold status, the My Vegas, if you play that and get free comps there, you still get a wave resort fee with that as well. So there's there, there are some opportunities for the smart people among us, but just the people who are going there and spending I don't see how they're spending with the, the level of prices on food, with the level of prices on rooms. There's just so few deals if you're not really paying attention. So uh, I, I feel for everybody out there uh, who sort of has this bitter feeling towards Las Vegas when it comes to how much it costs these days. And Disney as well, because I feel the same way. I was at Disneyland, you know, Joe, and I forgot to bring my Disney gift card. And I added the number to the app, but it kept giving me an error. So I couldn't use that to buy food or anything in the app. And so I had to actually pay money for uh, for the food and everything, and I was bitter about that. So you know, it, it's all uh, it's all relative. Uh, life hack: If you forgot your Disney gift card, but it's loaded to DisneyGiftCard.com, buy a ten dollar or whatever the lowest number you can buy twenty five dollar gift card, like a physical one, and because it is annoying, sometimes it won't add to the app properly, and then transfer all the money over. Uh, life hack there. Yeah, I think. This kind of brings us to another article Benji wrote about the ultimate travel hack. Good job, Benji, with the titling there. Uh, Respect to you. Um, But he was talking about, you know, the golden rule, like treating others well. And I think these days, because in the travel business, all the travel companies, hotels, airlines, theme parks, casinos, they know that the demand for travel is there and they can charge more and more money. Well, that's going to lead you as a person to be really frustrated as a traveler, to be frustrated with what's going on with getting nickeled and dimed. But Benji wrote a nice article, one of his cool, um, you know, reflecting on life type articles about, you know, just being a nice person when you're traveling, even if you're frustrated with all these things, is going to help you win in the long run. Even if you're not winning monetarily, you're going to win by having a better experience and a happier experience. So I, you know, I really appreciated that article that Benji wrote. And I think it really does come in when you get charged extra and you didn't think you were going to, or, you know, your breakfast credits didn't work out well. Like if you get mad about it, you're just you know, like whatever frustrations are happening, that's already a sunk cost. You're going to have to deal with that no matter what. Having a positive attitude, especially to the frontline people that you're talking to about it, who are not generally the ones who made this decision or screwed you over, you know, that's just going to give you a better experience overall. So I really like that article by Benji. Yeah, these past few years have been particularly hard working in the service industry and working in the travel industry, huge spikes in demand, you know, low lows, and just a lot of, you know, crazy 
procedures and everything has just really been different and kind of flipped on its head. So it's made their jobs harder. And it's also, I think, created more angry customers. And so the first thing is, you know, if you're going up and being polite, you're probably going to get a lot farther than if you're going up demanding something. And uh, it's just as simple as that. Um, You will occasionally run into some really rude people who just won't help you and no matter how nice you are. But then it just comes to how do I feel when I have a bad interaction? I'm not saying I've never gotten mad at somebody. I certainly have. And I always feel terrible afterwards. And so my biggest thing is, first off, it's generally not going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish. Being nicer is going to get you further uh, in doing that. Um, you know, just acknowledging them and saying, how is your day going and things like that. Even if you don't have a problem, that can go a long way to getting, you know, better treatment uh, because a lot of people don't, you know, say that to them. They don't engage them on a personal level. But even if I'm not getting what I want, even if the whole experience is bad, as you say, it's generally not their fault. And if I act like a jerk, then I'm the one who really feels bad at the end too. It, it really affects my life when I leave that situation. Whereas if I can try to keep myself calm, try to work through it the best way, then I can just sort of move on with my life and understand that, you know, a bill being wrong at a hotel, this is not worth all of the stress and frustration that you're causing yourself and that you're causing them in their life. And so this is really uh, important. And as I travel more and as I've gotten older, I just recognize don't split the small stuff. And I really try to do that especially when I'm dealing with people. And I'm not saying there's times where, you know, you've been flying for 24 hours and you're tired and, you know, your flight got canceled. I'm sure Jasmine yesterday wanted to to go crazy, which she never does. She's super, super friendly. So uh, she'll never get mad at anything. But, uh, you know, there's I mean, times she married like you. hey oh, Yeah, she had to I'm get the, that, uh, to get I'm the hit man. Yeah, I'm the hit man out there, uh, you know, making enemies everywhere I go. But, you know, sometimes you, you have a bad moment. And it's also important, I think, if you do, to acknowledge it as soon as you realize that and apologize. I've had moments where I've you know, been aggressive with somebody and then I stop and I say, hey, I recognize you're a human being. I'm sorry I was a little aggressive here. I'm a little frustrated. I, I recognize you're just doing your job. And on a human level, I'm sorry that I was rude to you. I've actually said those words. And believe me, actually using those words on a human level really kind of fixes it generally. And then you can kind of move on from there. Um, but you know, even if you do make the mistake, try to live your life above board and fix it when you do make the, you know, when you do realize it, uh, because we're not all perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And if you are able to remain calm, I think, honestly, Matt Haig uh, of old Saverosity fame, for those of you old Saverosity heads out there, I think he's the one who talked to me about this way back when, like maybe a decade ago. But if you can approach the customer service rep and acknowledge up front, like, you know, name the fact that, you know, it's not because of them. Like it's the company's policy. Like you make a common enemy out of, sorry, again, I'll just use Disney as an example. It's like when you, when I talk to the customer service rep and I'm like, Hey, this app is giving me trouble. Like, I know you have nothing to do with the app, but you know, the IT is messed up. Like I, I got logged out, you know, whatever. Right. And you know, is there something that we can do together to like help figure this out and help fix this. That always reframes the whole entire, you know, you're still asking for the same thing. You're asking for them to help fix whatever the problem is, but you're reframing it as let's figure out a way to deal with this problem together versus the terrible app instead of being like, hey, you did this to me. 
can you fix it? Because, I mean, one, we've already said a couple times, they didn't do this to you most times, right? That rep didn't do anything to you. Um, and then secondly, you know, that that frames it as like, this is a we problem that we can work together on instead of a you problem that you need to fix for me. So I think that really helps. And I, I'm pretty sure that was Matt who uh, shared that with me all the way back when. So, um, you know, and I've been using that ever since whenever I can stay calm enough to do so. Sometimes, though, that Disney app just makes me so mad. Yeah, I mean, travel could be frustrating. That's the truth. That's the dark side of travel is that uh, it's not all, uh, you know, peaches and cream, Joe, to bring back my weird, yeah, weird references. Yeah, don't forget to be nice to your families as well when you're yeah. traveling because we know that gets really rough sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's finish with some Chase credit card news. We didn't have this on the agenda, but the 80K Chase Sapphire preferred offer is still out there. And there have been reports that some people have been getting approved over 524. We saw that potentially happened with ink cards uh, earlier this year, and now we're seeing it with Sapphire Preferred. Obviously anecdotal, but uh, just something to kind of open your eyes to if it's a card that you're looking for, if you're eligible for it, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, if you're over 524, maybe you will get approved. I know personally a couple people who have. Uh, I know there have been people who haven't, so it's not like it's guaranteed. Uh, Obviously, 524 has never been an official published rule by Chase, so we don't know, but maybe they're loosening things up and maybe they're trying to get more customers right now. Maybe they need to make their financials look better. We don't know. But uh, that's just something I figured was worth sharing. And they also increased the bonus on the IHG business card. It's normally 140,000 points, which is you know pretty good. I think IHG points are worth about 0.4 cents each. So uh, the new bonus is 165K, so you're getting 25K more. That comes with a $99 annual fee and it does have some bonus categories you also get an anniversary free night that's worth 40,000 points uh, or is good for a category of 40,000 points or less and uh, so there are some interesting benefits there if you're interested if you're an IHG person always nice to pick these up when you have the increased bonus Uh, like I said normally 140k now 165 good to know good to know I uh remembered last week talking about all the stupid free nights that I forget about. My wife has an IHG free night that we got to use. So, you know, um, I should just cancel all these cards. Let's be honest. All right, let's get out of here, Sean. All right. Uh, real quick, they, that does also have a $50 United credit and you get the three nights, fourth night free. It's a card worth looking at because I think it's actually a decent value with the 165 k even though it's a Chase business card where, you know, maybe you want to focus if you're doing Chase business on ink cards or something else. Uh, but uh, we don't talk about it enough. And those free nights, they do get, uh, yeah, I, I just realized I had an uncapped free night or a, up to a 95K free night with Marriott. So I have to figure out where I'm going to use that, uh, you know, because then you want to go to the most expensive property you can. And then it's one night. So, like, how do you make all that work? So I agree with you, Joe. Let's just uh, let's get out of here before you get me uh, on my soapbox talking about free night certificates. So uh, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at Flies all over social media. And if I haven't scared you off of Disney, you can uh, email me, Joseph Chung, at travelmation.net if you're uh, looking to plan a trip. What about you, Sean? Milestomemories.com for all of our posts, podcasts, videos. For this show, mtmpodcast.com. You can find links to subscribe in any podcast app. Also links if you're looking to apply for cards. We have the links there. You can click through. We have most credit card offers that are available. Uh, you can uh, support the show that way at Miles to Memories all over social media. And if you're interested in the Vegas stuff, like I said, we just hit 39,000 subscribers on YouTube, 10 million views, youtube.com forward slash Miles to Memories. Me and Mark still doing that show. So check us out there. Thanks so much for listening. 
Talk to you next time. See ya. Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.